This is the Bar Stewards Enquiry. You are talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. In, in what way? You are an underachiever in life. You were, I saved your bacon one time. You were gone. Well, I couldn't save you. I, I don't know if you are, but you said the right thing. But well, that's why you don't know anything about racing, John. I, I didn't say I do. Right? I'm saying that. What have what you contributed to racing? You are one of these take-out merchants. Take out all you can. And a very warm welcome to the Barstow's Inquiry Saturday King George podcast. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk. And as always, chewing the fat, my partner in crime, uh, a tremendous judge. Uh, and a man of experience, John Ling of John Joe's Blogspot on Facebook, if you haven't checked him out uh, by now. Right, John, have you had a good week? All good? It's, it's not too bad. I've uh, more or less got to go ahead for another week off the nurse, so there we go. <laughs> there we go, nurse, yeah. N- n- <laughs> That's a good week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously... The King George, one of the principal race meetings on the calendar, and um, what well, do you think? It's meeting, isn't it? Really, when you think um, it, it, it used to be well to well punting opportunities to me, and I mean, I have a hell of a job going through these cards, uh, yeah. trying, trying to find worthwhile bets. I really have. I mean, uh, you know, I've been harking back to the days when there was that. Race for the diamond necklace for the amateur jockeys. And you just had to say what Maxine Juster was riding and take, take all the nine to four you could manage. Yeah, no, great days. Great days. Yeah. I, I mean, do you think the race has lost its shine? I mean, I mean, uh, the King George. I mean, the, the Ian Davis has messaged in and said, you know, time form top rated 1956 2010. Um, You've basically got uh, Reburn, Ijinsky, Milreef, Brigadier Gerard, Shergard, Dancing Brave, Reference Point, Generous, and Harbinger uh, all won the King George. Uh, the two, 2009 to now, the, See the Stars uh, and Frankel uh, both won the 10 Furlong International. Um, is the York race probably more fashionable nowadays, says Ian? I think the, the, the York race is possibly better better placed in the calendar from a modern training standpoint. Um, I wouldn't say people are poo-pooing the chance to win a King George because I think everybody would still like to win one. Um, I just think now maybe there isn't the the will to send a horse that might have a, a squeak. I mean, you go back to horses like Hilde Barbon that won it. Um, you wouldn't have particularly said he was going there with a live chance you know um but there was, there was plenty in that sort of bracket that year that that were having a pop you know yeah. similar to like previous years like when the minstrel won it um horses that were like placed in eclipses your lucky wednesdays and like that so virgin on group one so now i think the you sort of tending to just have like really proven group one horses running and it does thin it out a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, just looking at last sort of like the winners since Ian sort of mentioned um, the period, the golden period, if you like, up to 2009 and enables three King Georges, 
you could probably say, you know, like poet, poet's word in between. Um, um, I'm just looking through the list. Nathaniel, probably, you know, he, he was high class. Yeah. Um, but some of the others, um, you know, Dane Dream, uh, novelist, um, 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 where, where, uh, Highland Real, you know, yeah, yeah. Th- th- these don't really strike as, you know, and I, I look at, I mean, not that the prize money means anything to some of these owners in this race, but I mean, th- I think the prize money is terrific. 500,000 just about for the winner. Uh, 188,000 for second, 94,000 for third, 47,000 for fourth. Uh, I mean, these these are big sums of money, and I, you know, I, I've got to I've got to say that it possibly to Ian, it possibly is on on the downgrade. I, I'm pretty sure that breeders, for some reason, seem to be following the Australian model, and they want they want quicker animals these days, as we've touched on in past shows. You know the the old days of you know winning mile and a half races, then going on to win the Saint Ledger, is is lost on the breeding world at the moment. Um, so yeah, it, it possibly is the uh, the the mile and a quarter race. Um, the international at York probably suits, and like you say, John, it's probably nicely spaced out in the calendar. Um, it's probably a better option for some. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's not. It's possibly not the race it probably once was. Um, you know, I, I can remember getting up as a, as a teenager and uh, as an excited teenager buying the racing post. Um, out of my paper around money and and you know and basically there's like reference point and just great days great fields great you know but I, I i don't remember you know modern times apart from enable there's nothing really that floats my boat um so yeah uh, next ian also got another question for us and he said uh, obviously to do with the panorama um documentary on monday um, he said, in a world where animals are part of the food chain and millions of humans have no quality of life, you'd think it would be easy to defend an industry which generally pampers its livestock like no other. But racing seems unable to construct a robust, intelligent counter-argument. Because none of the spokespeople have the common sense to say what Ian's just said there, Ian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Spot on, spot on in every word. I mean, I mean, literally, you know, as an owner myself, racing I feel is is one of the most uh, be- beautiful. So I'll, I'll use the word beautiful. It's a beautiful sport. They're beautiful animals. They, they are they are cared for and looked after fantastically. And 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 it's such a shame. I, yes, there are parts of racing, and I'm not dismissing what I saw on Monday because it was it was absolutely um revolted to be honest um to see the way that this and especially like some of these horses that had contested high level you know national hunt racing etc etc you know met met the demise and i'm sure we do need to do more and i'm I'm certain there are solutions for that um a lot's being banded about at the moment but i mean what what's your thoughts on it john is is there a solution to tackle this straight away or or is it something that we need to sort of build longer term well i think it, it, any solution is going to be a long-term fix mm. um, i would po- point out that i don't think the panorama program was really poorly named i mean the dark side of horse racing i think it should have been the dark side of this particular abattoir that we're going to feature yeah 
there's absolutely no guarantees that it, a lot of the horses that they spoke about, they didn't know that they'd been put down in, in that abattoir. You know, I think there was three, wasn't there, um, that had gone there. And there was no hidden camera situation where he actually observed any of the, the race horses mentioned being, being uh, put to sleep. And, you know, I mean, if, if they had, you can guarantee Panorama would have made a meal of it and said it, this is what, whatever, the names escape me, forgive me. Uh, but they would have said, this one's going in and here he is, lining his shot up from the doorway and whatever you, but even, even the ones that went there, we have no way of knowing that they weren't put to sleep correctly. Yeah. You know, um, that could have been an aberration and they've made a meal of. You know, that's not to say I'm in any way supporting what went on there with those horses that were dispatched incorrectly, because that was awful. And the, the person that did that should have been sacked. And I hope they have been. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, I mean, racing, in, in the main, I don't think it does a bad job as regards rehoming the horses and making sure the ones that and for anything else they dispatch properly, but instances like that in Panorama certainly should not happen. And the powers that be should be making sure that there's nothing happens in the future that comes along and bites racing on the ass. For sure. Great comments. And and for, for me, I mean obviously the, the problem is the horse the horse numbers, the amount of horses that are bred yeah. at, at, at the at the end of of their time there's bound to be a massive surplus of horses that's no good to anyone into i know that sounds really crass but like an owner that basically well it's not fast enough blah 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 um finds a home now some blame are put on these owners that that have genuinely just basically you know thought that they've they've gone to a, a loving home. You know, the trainer might tell them, yeah, yeah, such and such, such and such from such riding schools took this one in and blah, yeah. And there's no there's no actual paper trail. The, the thing that I would do to probably improve this, and, and speaking as an owner, would improve the paper trail um, when, when, when racing days are finished. I, so if it's not gone through a sales ring and it's not gone to an official concern, um there needs then to be a paper trail to mm. say where this, you know, a documented paper trail, um, it create jobs for somebody. I mean, BHA are good at creating jobs. They, they can give, they can pay somebody hundred thousand a year from, uh, like I say, a retired, retired major to go through, you know. <laughs> to like ghost when she's had a ride in the Magnolia Cup. <laughs> ghost, yeah. Ghost could be in charge of this for sure. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the way to go because then there's always a paper trail. And I think that's important because, and I think the owner needs, the former owner needs to be notified if there is any problems because at the end of the day, it's like if you, if you, if you have a dog as a pet or if you have any other pet, you know, there are criminal charges if you mistreat your dog or pets and, you know, and I, I do think the, the elements are the same. I read some stuff on Twitter, though, that was a bit unsavoury for me, basically castigating owners as some kind of parasites and, oh, yeah, they just it for the money, they don't care after and all this rubbish. That's absolute baloney. Um, I mean, there's, there's literally, 
most owners I, I can speak for, and I'd just say that most owners will make sure that that, and you know, I, for, my, for my horses, I would make sure that they are, I, I'd say to my trainer, right, they stay in the field until we can find, you know, and I'll pay the bills until we find them at home. That, that's it. It's not just a case of just, I mean, you asked me a question the other week and you said, how would you, how would you feel if, um, you know, it was getting sold on for me or, or you know, whatever or it was getting. I think if the purpose was correct, I, it was, it was the right thing to do. Then I, I think I'm in favor. I'm in favor. I, I, the, the, I know that's, again, people will say, well, you're in favor of, of killing animals. Well, we eat cows, we, you know, we, we eat meat. That's what, that's what the human race does, unless you become a vegan. Yeah, they're working animals, aren't they? Yeah. Essentially, yeah, they, they wouldn't exist if, if there wasn't a purpose. You know, they wouldn't have a purpose because they wouldn't exist. They wouldn't even be experiencing the nice lives that they have, and they do have fantastic lives. And I urge anyone if that listens to this podcast, if you've got differing views to this, and get in touch with me and I'll arrange for you to, to go to a yard and you can actually see for yourself how how these uh, these lads and lasses look after these wonderful animals. And and, and some of them make it their life. They, they do it because it's a passion and I, I, it is, it's, it's an admirable game to be in in that respect. But yeah, anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, <laughs> a question now on a slightly different subject from Jack, JCC Punter on Twitter says... Your favourite topic, uh, Lee and John, steward inconsistency. How can you throw uh, the one out at y- uh, the Yarmouth race and, and not the Sandown one? Whether you agree that it should be thrown or not is separate, but how can you do one and not the other for a pretty identical offence? Uh, we've had lots of stewards' inquiries this week, John. I don't know if you've kept up to date with that, but the, <laughs> there's, been, there's been a few that possibly should have got thrown out and a few that possibly... Sh- well... You know, it's, it's very controversial as always. Uh, but again, thoughts on stewarding, John. What what can we do? What what? How, how do we sort this out properly? I think it's debatable stewards inquiries where people are saying, well, that could have gone, but if that went, that other one should have gone as well. And situations like that. I mean, they differ from course to course because you've got different stipendary stewards directing the stewards in different directions, mm. you know, um, and that comes back to my original point about a central panel, you know, I mean, in theory, with a central panel, you wouldn't get that inconsistency, but I, I would certainly do away with ex-jockeys as stipendary stewards, I think yeah. that's absolute time bomb waiting to go off, and to, to my mind, it's just a recipe for disaster, you know. I mean, uh, you can't have ex-practitioners sitting in judgment and of the former colleagues, you know. Um, that the impartiality angle is just out the window completely, you know. I mean, there could be people they used to get on with involved and people they absolutely despised. Well, what happens there? You know, yeah. there's nobody regulating it. You know, yeah. um, so I mean, I'm, I'm not saying go back to the days of the Hibbert Foys and what have you, calling jockeys by the surnames. I'm saying get some professional people in, pay them correctly, and uh, you know, sit them in a room and don't allow any decanters of claret in there. You know, make sure they're all on coffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Sa- it's interesting that Saeed Bin Soror has appealed that Newbury. Uh, 
demotion. Um, he's, he's, he's going. To, he's taking them to Portland Square for some posh lunch. Um, well, and, uh, I'd, I'd just like to say, say, well, if Princess Latifah presents herself and does the case for the... <laughs> You can have the race. We don't even need to sit down. <laughs> we, 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 just, we just like a selfie or something, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's one thing. I mean, Stuart, I do think there are certain things that need over, over, overhauling. Obviously, John's correct in my view that, that centralised stewarding will be a massively positive because you're going to get a lot of consistency with the same people doing the same job day in day out you kind of know where you stand punters will know where they stand and that's all punters really want really to know where they stand where do we stand and i I get it there are some really difficult calls there's been one or two this week that have been really tricky for me and i've looked and i thought yeah i could see this going but i'd understand if, if they didn't and you know there has been some tricky ones and one one of the tricky ones if you want if if, if listeners, you want to watch this one, was at Newbury last night in the 6.35. Your good thing finished second to Burning Bush. And uh, old Burning Bush decided that um, he was going to smash into your good thing at the start, broadsided it, absolutely broadsided your good thing at the start. Um, and I know so because your good thing went from six on the exchange to 16s after the bump. So it was a quite a severe bump. And then it proceeded to bump your good thing in the closing stages um, twice. Uh, your good thing didn't get the race, but I'm, I'm told, uh, I don't, I, I'm not totally unfair with all the rules, but the, the stewards, bizarrely, don't take into account the starts. So they won't look back to the start and say, well, that's been broadsided by that. So they literally just looked at the bumps in the final furlong. Now, that's just nonsense because... I, how how can you just turn around and say, well, that that didn't make any difference? It absolutely one hundred percent cost it the race. Um, and again, so that's where things need updating. I'm I, by the way, I'm not for American style stewarding where they just chuck them out for one in five lengths if they've broadsided one, things like that. That's just bad for the game. But a bit of common, it's just common sense. It's just like, well, hang on a minute, it's broadsided it out of the stalls, it's smashed into it, and then it's all bumped it for good measure in the final sort of like 50 yards, and then and then they don't take the starts into account. You know, it's just pretty moronic, but there we go. Um, we'll move on from the stewards because me and John have, have given them plenty of ammo um, in recent times. Um, right, uh, John Hines has been on, and he says... Um, I feel like racing is in two camps at the moment. Um, the ATR mob trying to dumb us down, racing league, etc. And uh, racing TV, Nick Luck trying to sell it as an intellectual pursuit. Um, any view on this, um, John? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, he's right to a certain extent. I mean, I got absolutely all over the calls on uh, Facebook the other night when... Uh, when Chapman jumped in the Thames after a couple of jockeys had already jumped in at that night meeting at Windsor. Um, because I said at the time on Facebook when they were promoting this, I said, well, why is racing the only sport where people have to act like complete pillocks to get anybody to follow the sport? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get Gary Lineker asking Cristiano Ronaldo to jump in the fucking Thames, would you? Yeah, you know, um, what's it all about? That you know, but that said, the the groundswell of opinion on Facebook from what I would probably class as casual punters 
is you shut your face, you don't know what you're talking about. So there's probably a place for it, you know, but it doesn't sit sit comfortable with me, I, I've got to tell you, you know, it's... Uh, it's so uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm staring in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love these. You know, when 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 the ginger Hitler was on, he was so sharp, and he said, "Yeah, coming for it, for your hard drive." That was probably one of quotes. We we need to get the ginger Hitler back on. I think I'm I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean I mean this is this is thing. I mean two channels. Um, you can tell one is appealing to. Like and you can tell with Chapman, yes, Chapman appe- appeals to you know your, your your casual punters and you know the racing TV is a little bit more um, for the for the, the the serious chaps unless Nevison and McNair are on and then you know it's like I'll tell you why racing TV could uh, score a few points. These pundits that they have on, if they give them all the betting bank and made them stake their selections. And we kept a league table and kept showing it and see who's stealing a living and who isn't. I think that would be quite interesting. You know, be quite, yeah, it'd be quite damning, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, give them a betting bank, start them off. And, and you know, set it at, at working man's staking, you, you know, so that the, the people that they're, they're hoping to attract the interest of are actually interested in seeing how these people get on. You know, I'd, I'd be very interested to see all that panned out. It's a good idea. I, I mean, I mean, obviously, I, I know for a fact things like William Hill TV do that. They've got lots of uh, tips in that. You know, William Hill employees. You know, Andy Olden. Uh, I think uh, Andrew Mount, Leona Mayer, They're all in that. It's it's a bit of like you said. It, it kind of tells you who's who's clued up and who in. Um <laughs> probably like, you know, in for a sacking if you if you keep finishing low down. But yeah, I that's a good idea. I like I like that idea. Um right, finally before we move on to the tipping, which is the uh, the important part of the show. Um especially if you want to go late. And it's tough tomorrow, John. Twenty mils forecast that I've got anyway. But anyway, I'll get I'll get on to the last question. Um, from John Irons again. Uh, thanks, John. Um, good follower of the uh, of the uh, Twitter. Um, he said, "Do you have any grudges against anyone in racing, especially ones that don't really make sense?" Um, I he says he never forgave Mulrennan for the alleged India tape. John, I, I'm I'm busting to know your uh, your grudges on this. Well, um, I'm going to limit it to three. <laughs> <laughs> It's showing its own right, really. Isn't it? I, I know, yeah. I mean, we really do a lot of Sunday sermon to this. Um, now, obviously, there was another person on the other end of the line when Mulder Renan was making his call from India. Yes. And that nasty little nerk is probably top of my list of people I absolutely abhor in racing. Um, I, well, I mean, the pair of them, you know. I mean, poor old Dave, who is now lumbered with the moniker Thick Dave, <laughs> so no, no fault of his own. I mean, a, a lovely lad who would do his damnedest to ride to orders for you, and you, you know, to be treated like that by waiting round colleagues just tells you what despicable shape bags they really must be. <laughs> um, secondly, I would go for 
Godolphin circa the time of Lamtara because I thought they're jocking off of Wally Swinburne and after he single-handedly won a derby for them by ignoring Princess Latifah's captor's explicit <laughs> instructions um, to lie up um, and he gave the horse a chance and gave it a superb ride and then the scene replaced in the King George was absolutely abhorrent. And finally, I'm going to go for a national treasure, someone everybody loves, good old Jenny Pittman, <laughs> um, for her absolute filthy tactics with Golden Freeze and Carol Sills Cup. Um, it, it was one of the worst exhibitions of spoiling I've ever seen in my life, and it stuck with me ever since. And whenever she was on after the national crying and all the rest of it, I'm sat there saying, Dry your crocodile tears, yell. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, that, there's yesterday. That was top class shithousery from, from Pittman to, to, to do what do what she did there to Carville. Um, no, I mean, they should have been. Repercussions, you know. I mean, that house was ruined for Christ's sake. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, grudges. I mean, I, 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 I said I'd tell this story, um, and I, 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 I'm going to tell it. Um, Bill Turner would be my grudge in a way, um, oh. because uh, to cut a long story short, I owned a horse with Bill Turner. It ran at Wolverhampton on New Year's Eve. Um, I was studying with Bill Turner in the stands. I backed it. I backed it place only in a small win bet. Um, the horse missed the kick, was given a very not-off ride by a certain Paul Doe. Um, Bill Turner looked at me and said in the stands, you've laid that, you fucker, haven't you? Um, Bill doesn't mess about with words. And I went, <laughs> and I, I, I'm straight up, I'd, I'd backed it. Um they called Bill into the stewards. There was a massive stewards inquiry because they, obviously it was definitely, definitely stopped by Paul Doe in my view. Um, and so basically Bill wouldn't speak to me. So obviously I had to sell the horse. Um, so I got in touch with Jim Boyle was interested in buying it. So Jim took his horse box up to Bill's. I'd, I'd sorted it out via email though. Bill decided to walk down the drive with a double barrel shotgun and told, told Jim Boyle where to go forth and multiply. So, so yeah, uh, Bill Turner, Bill Turner created a, a few problems for me as an owner, and I'd done absolutely nothing wrong. God's honest truth, you know, you could listen to this and make your own conclusions, but God's honest truth, I'd done absolutely nothing wrong. I'd bet the horse. I'd, I, I'm not driving to Wolverhampton. No one wants to go to Wolverhampton to stand in the stands and and and, and, and watch a watch a horse off. Let me tell you. Um, so yeah, so that was a. That'd be mine. Right, great question, John. Uh, I'll move on uh, to the tipping now, where me and John will attempt to uh, land the ITV7 for you all, like, like like in style. And we'll start off um, at York, John, the, uh, the, uh, the second meeting, really, of the day. And the two or five races are Skybet Jump Jockey's Nunthorpe. Interesting race title, because, I mean, it made me chuckle, because I'm thinking, geez. I mean, can you imagine any of these getting the pace right, John? Can 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 you uh, elaborate and give me the winner of this? Well, the thing is, I mean, some gormless little schlep that thought this idea up's going to have had a nice bonus, aren't they? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, what the hell are we doing here with this? Um, 
this should have been run tonight at yeah. the, the stupid meeting. Yeah, where, yeah, everyone's pissed, aren't they, tonight? Yeah, yeah where they've got the uh, fifth, sixth and seventh from Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> After race. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Haggis will definitely have the shagging shirt on. The, sh- the, the shirt will be out this weekend, it, yeah. He'll yeah. be up there tonight, won't he? He'll be jabbing, <laughs> jabbing away to um, yeah, Will Young or whatever the hell he is now. Yeah. So, so much else, and then uh, there'll be three he, buttons undone, Jock. Do you think? Ah, yeah, he's got, he's got to run a tenth, hasn't he? And then uh, he's got his big ass tomorrow, so he'll be uh, he'll be stopping with the folks tonight. <laughs> so he'll be really tying one on tonight with a shagging shirt. Yeah, um, the one I'd go with, um, will probably get well stuffed, but he, he more or less doesn't need riding, he'll do it all for the jockey. That's a bag almost Tim's. Uh, he's quite free going, and I, I think uh, drawn three won't be much of a disadvantage here because if a few won't go for the rails, I, I think it happen we'll get in each other's way. This will just plough along for a 20 to 1. If you have to have a bet, have a pound each way on this. Okie doke. So, John with Ebargum, 20 to 1 for Timmy Sabi and Jamie Hamilton. Um, Low draws usually favoured on, on the. On, on the I, I, I'm not going to say, I was just about to say the names of my but that's what Graham Cunningham usually says. Can't call it the names of it's York. Um, so, yeah, so Midwinster, I felt, I felt was possibly one of the one of the likely ones, but um, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gin and pate race um, for me, I think. Um, Ginger Jam, Briony Frost, ITV will be all over that. You can bet your life on it. Um, if you watch the preview on ITV, it'll all be about Bryony and Ginger Jam. That'll be a popular winner for the uh, terrestrial TV channel. But uh, Midwinster would be an each way choice for me at around the seven to one mark. And as mentioned by John Ebargum, um, in fact, some, somebody tried to pronounce this other day from down south on racing TV, and they actually said Ebegum. I'm not kidding. Ebegum. I'm not. I'm not kidding. This. This is what you're dealing with. Um, <laughs> these, these southern folk. Um, two forty at York um, is the Skybet Dash. It's a class two handicap, fifty thousand pounds added. Nice prize, really, for, uh, in, in in testing times. And one for for uh, Anthony Britton, uh, a horse that we sort of are quite fond of. John is Mondamedge is heading the market eleven to two. We've adopted this lad, haven't we? Really, mm. you know. I mean, he, he should have won last time. So, you know, I mean, I think he was really unlucky, you know, he just maybe started his run three strides too late, you know. <laughs> he, yeah. He, he's got one at possibly two of these in him. I mean, he's steadily creeping up the weights as well, but I, I still think he can win off 91. I think he, he's probably got it in him to count at 95, 96, really. Um, as, as, you know, obviously he's... He's a bit tricky to present, and I don't think this is maybe the ideal course to do it. Um, at the prices, I'd, I'd probably shunt Golden Apollo forward because that, that one seems to be coming nicely into farm now, and uh, I think that's on a reasonable mark. So I'd, I'd probably go with that, but Mondamedge is very dangerous still at that. Yeah, I mean, Mondamedge, I feel I end up triple figures when it starts getting it right. It, Matt, I don't know if the horse lacks a bit of confidence or whether whether it's a bit tricky in a finish. Could be a bit of both. But I just, 
I know there's a lot of lot of trickiness in it because I can remember at Newcastle, um, it was it went Larry, it bolted to post. And there's there's certain trickiness in it, but I think it's been well handled by Anthony Britton. Um, and Cam Hardy's the right man, and I, I'd like to see Monda Major win, winning. I, I, I think I couldn't put anyone off really. Um, Gulliver, I felt. Um, I mean, Gulliver's won four times at York, um, and I know Gulliver's quite close to your heart because you put it up last year at thirty-three to one. Do you remember? Yes. Um, and you know, four course wins. It wasn't disgraced in the scurry last time because it was drawn on the wrong side. It got broadsided out of the stalls. Before that, it was fifth in a Workingham. It was sixth to Mr. Lupton, that strong handicap form, back in May over course and distance. It's now £2 lower. Again, from a, from a again, it's where the draw pans out. I can't be certain. Low draws usually favoured, not always. Um, there has been some stand side affairs. But if, if it does play low, um, if it's high, I want to be on Mondamage. If it's low, I probably want to be on Gulliver. Um, I desperately want to see Mondamage running at Parkland. Yeah, the five and a half. Yeah, absolutely is race. The stiff yeah. position and everything. I think it'd be absolutely perfect for him. If you're listening, Anthony, you know, draw stumps after this one tomorrow and go to Donny. Yeah, I think that's the ideal race. I agree. Five and a half would be absolutely perfect trip-wise, I think, for the horse. Um, right, we move on to the 3.15. It's the big race at York tomorrow. The Sky Bet York Stakes, a Group 2 affair. 115,000 added. And uh, Ian Davis is a listener's favourite horse here, Mohafeth. He uh, he backed it for the Derby and was furious with the shagging shirt for not running. And it's six to five favourite with Armoury uh, close by as two to one second favourite. John, opinion? Well, again, I think Mohafeth has probably been priced up on the potential improvement, you know. Um, he's still somewhere behind Amory on official figures, but you would say he would be capable of something well in advance of 112 on what we've seen so far. Um, Armory, I've I, I was kind of in tell camps about this house because I thought he, he looked as though there was something wrong with him before the race because he was, he was sweaty and edgy and I, I genuinely did not like the look of him. And then I thought he ran a blinding race in the circumstances, only beating the length and a half. Um, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure about Armory, what we're dealing with at all. Um, yeah. The, the rest, I, I can't have Juan Elcano in this. I don't I don't think this is his bag at all. Um, I'd much sooner see him in something like a judgment with a few more runners and drop him out, deliver him late, pick up the bit. Um, this, I, I, I get the impression that Zane will ride him quite handy and I, I don't think that'll suit Jason this, this pace because... I think Liam Jones will set quite brisk factions on one them. I, I make it between the, the front two. I, I couldn't put anybody off back in the five, really, because I think he's got potential. And Armory looks the type that might just chuck in a York stinker, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm, 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 I'm definitely in agreement with you there, in that I, I couldn't. If I had to have a bet, if someone had, you know, the pistol to the to the temple, it would be Mohafeth. Um, is it any value? Probably not. 
um, around the 10-6 to 5 mark. Bit boring. Um, I was not impressed with Marcus Angin last time at Ascot. Um, you know, hung right across the track. Some horses do that at Ascot, um, and several did it at that Royal Meeting for some reason. So you might be able to forgive it. Um, I, 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 I like you. Armory's rated seven pounds superior. We know it's the weight for age angle. The Skybet race hasn't played favourable for three-year-olds um, in recent times. I don't know why why that's so. Um, they're below expected wins, so you know they're expected to have three wins. They've had one win, um, so they are, they are performing below par in the race. Don't know why. Could could be just random, um, but. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to sit it out. I'm afraid at the prices, there's nothing that stands out. I think I think the betting is spot on. I think that's how I would exactly price it um, as it stands. So I, I, it's all right coming up with a selection, but you know <laughs> you can't come up with a bet. There's no value. So there we go. Um, the race is priced up, and it might be just one to savor and 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 for going forwards. Right, we'll move on to Ascot, obviously the principal meeting of the day, and we start off with the 150 race there. Uh, don't forget, there's a lot of rain forecast uh, chaps and lasses uh, Ascot tomorrow. Um, we, we're looking at a minimum of eight millimetres. It could be in the region of 20 millimetres plus. It depends what thunderstorms hit, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's very tricky betting. But we start off with the 150. It's the Princess Margaret Stakes. Uh, a race I hold dear, dear to my... I like this this race. I always I always like watching this race. Just just kind of like it's King George Day. Um and it's usually a classy two-year-old affair. Desert Dreamer heads the market at five to two. Uh, that's by Oasis Dream. I don't like backing Oasis Dream on soft ground, so I don't know why they've backed that into favourite, because I wouldn't be backing that on soft. But, John, have you any view um, in the Princess Margaret? I don't think I could go past System. I thought System did really well last time when it won that race at HQ. Yeah, but he does a dreamer, didn't it? In the uh, in the listed affair there, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think if anything, I think this course will suit system better. You know, um, I think there's still more, more to come from system. I mean, it was fair written past the rest of the rest of them that day at HQ. You know, I mean, if we've got another hundred yards, it's been a fabulous winner for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to rock along with system there. Yeah, I mean, System currently sort of drifted to around three to one. Whether that's the Hannon team that feel that won't go on the ground. For me, System should be favourite. Um, if you watch the new market race, yes, I know Desert Dreamer had to weave a little bit, um, but System was well on top at the line. And if you look at the horses physically, uh, System would absolutely dwarf Desert Dreamer from a physical perspective. So carrying on throughout the season, there's only one thing that's going to get much much better that system desert dream will probably level off i would imagine just looking at physical prowess um the only thing i can't be sure of for system is how she will handle um cutting cutting the ground but the same for the favorite that's by well now now the favorite desert dreamer that's by oasis dream they traditionally prefer um you know top of the ground and like i said desert dreamer is not proven on, on on ground. In fact, they withdrew it in the on the eighth of May on soft ground. Desert Dreamer. That was Stuart Williams, the trainer, withdrew it down to ground reasons. So if you get lots of rain, no idea why that's fab. So me and John both in the system camp there at three to one with a with a quite a confident bet. If that handles the ground, she'll win. Um, we'll move on to two twenty five. It's the uh, straight mile Porsche handicap. 
Fantastic Fox heads the market 100 to 30 for, for old Stonehands, Sylvester de Souza, and Roger Varian. John, any view here? Yeah, I mean, I thought Fantastic Fox got absolutely sylvestered last time. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it was trying 10 for the first time. Just you know, whether it bolted with him or what, I don't know. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. But that said, and for all it was ridiculous, it still won that race at the mile. And I think it remains a horse of considerable potential at this trip. And I think if the jockey can put his brains back in for this race, I don't, despite the plethora of wins against some of these horses' names, I don't think he's got a great deal to beat here. Um, I think he's certainly got the potential to go way beyond what a lot of these have got in the tank. Um, I mean, Gouda's an absolute shithouse for me. Um, I think Mars a bit up against it first time with Holly riding. I, I think that could go a bit keen on her. Um, I'm not fancying the Tinkler arse to keep going much, much more than it has. I think late generations well exposed. I, I, I think when you go through all these, I think the, the one of potential is Fantastic Fox and Really, you're just betting on whether the jockey's got his brain in gear. Well, and and secondly, maybe maybe ground. Obviously, if he turns soft, I might be a bit worried. Um, obviously, the... he travelled all right up until, up until he emptied out. I, I didn't think yeah, yeah. I, you, I mean, if you think the ground's okay, I mean, the, obviously, the third to Snow Lantern and Derab um, is there. I mean, yeah. I mean. You know, Snow Lantern's won a Falmouth. Derab's got an official rating now of 113. Um, this horse has now got a rating of 94 in a handicap. So, like you say, John, could be an absolute snip. Um, and if anyone likes that, if that goes on the ground, then and you, you're quite confident, then Fantastic Fox has got a chance there for all to see. Well, I, I think. Let's not forget, I mean, he went into that Ascot race with those thinking he definitely couldn't win it. I mean, we were all over the. Oh, and there's other one, weren't we? It was, yeah. And we fully expected what happened to Fantastic Fox to happen. So it didn't surprise us that day by running a stinker. Well, what looks a stinker on paper. But I, I thought he showed us enough there to say this could be his bag. And uh, I, th- I, th- I think he's a bet tomorrow, anyway. I just hope that, that old Stonehands don't decide that he's going to take on Isla Kai for the lead. Obviously, mm-hmm. dropping back in trip, you know, because Isla Kai front runs all the time. So, so basically, it's you know, the last thing I think Syl wants to do is then make this a pace duel and then yeah. and then mess every, you know, uh, sit on the shoulders of Isla Kai. And I, I think, yeah, I think that's the ride. But we, it is still in the run, can't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, this could be an absolute block. Um, could Fantastic Fox um, for Sylvester de Souza and Roger Varian? Uh, we move on to the Moe and Shandon International Stakes, the seven furlong handicap, uh, one of the heritage handicaps in our calendar. £105,000 added. Um, you know, they can do better with the prize money, but it's still not too bad. Uh, I've known some years of the international be worth 150000 added. Um, these are the times we live in. Uh, stats for the race are four-year-olds have won 13 of the last 20 runnings, so it pays to be a younger horse. Um, 
and draws 13 and higher have won 13 of the last 20 run-ins, suggesting that high draws um, have the edge. Uh, I've had a, a, a message from Joe Nathan that basically says this is his nap of the weekend. He thinks this is a good thing. Um, Matthew Flinders, John, um, he said it's £10 well in. It's gone up to 108 after finishing second to safe voyage at Chester. It's off 98 here. This is absolutely, a, and with a high draw, he's also mentioned the draw, is this not just um, a maximum bet, you know, like with O'Sheen Murphy in the saddle riding like an absolute demon? Well, absolutely not for me. Um, I, I, I don't really see a justification for it going up to 108 myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, that Chester race was crap, you know, I'm honest <laughs> You know, I mean, Seth like just had it easy and didn't need to be anywhere near its best to win it for me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could not take that as Matthew Flinders having run to 108 there. Um, and I think the market has overreacted spectacularly, putting this in at 13 to 2. Yeah. Um, I think. You know, if, if you're going to look at ratings, really, I mean, you need to be looking at the top horse, Mosa KL, because if, if you're going to start taking ratings literally, what the hell did that run tell last time in the Bunbury Cup? Well, we had, we had that discussion, didn't we, when we were, you know, when we were doing review on, on, on the sermon. We actually said, what has that ran to if you take everything literal? You know, um, well, the racing per se, 121, so... There's a case for saying it's 120s, isn't there? You know, I mean, and in a field that size, it's less tenuous than saying Matthew Flinders is run to 108. Yeah, you know, fair so point. Yeah. You, could, you could be betting Mata KL with £10 up its sleeve, despite the fact it's carrying 913. You, you know, I mean, I couldn't bet it myself. I just... <laughs> Yeah, it, no, I just think it, it's considerably better off at Newmarket than anywhere else. I know it's won it you know, over the course and distance, but I don't think absolutely it does the July course. Um, and the one um, interesting having a little play on here is a 66 to 1 cork, actually. Ooh. Yeah, documenting. It's a hold up course and distance winner. He had absolutely no chance last time on the far side and wasn't knocked about. And he's on a reasonable enough mark to suggest he could probably do something here. And I think at 66 to 1, he's a very spot and play out the eight spot. Interesting call, John. Um, actually won at this course and distance the last September off 101. Yeah. Um, currently off uh, a mark of 104. Like you say, uh, that's a fair call at 66s. If the old boy still got in him at eight, um, yeah, yeah document, documenting for John at 66s. Uh, for me, I'm going for an absolute hound of a horse, uh, acquitted um, at around the 16 to one mark uh, for Carlton Palmer um, and Lewis Stewart. Um, basically, stole 22, four year old. So I'm with the stats are with me, the forces with me there. Um, and he's a horse that basically is supremely well handicapped. He just he just frustrates the life out of you when he gets there and he starts messing about. Um, it's one of those really, though, 
you, you, this is where you can, you know, if you use your intelligence, go on Betfair, play the place markets, play them to be second to, th- to horses, other horses in the race, do a little forecast, tricast. This is this is the perfect kind of horse. Loves a loves a strong gallop, um, you know, and then and then comes comes fast and late and then dogs it in the line. And you hope hopefully one day that he actually does finally just stick his head down on the nod. And acquitted for me is too big at sixteen to one. Um, the, the form is just it's too good. Second at Doncaster um, on reappearance uh, when he was second in the Spring Mile. Um, it's key form. Um, he was ninth to River Ninth, only got beat three and a half lengths. I thought he was Tom Marquand like an idiot that day because he was he, he got into the front about two out. Well, that's not good, is it? You know, hitting the front two out. Good luck with that. Um, and then last time out, he was he, he was hanging all over the place. Went third to Magical Morning, and he's off the same mark. He he can he can run to this rating easily, no problem. And I thought acquitted would be one of those where you could sneak some four place bets, three place bet, whatever whatever you want to do. But that's what I'll be doing. So acquitted tomorrow at sixteen to one is rather large. Right, we move on to our final race uh, preview of this podcast. And um, before I go on to the King George, just like to announce that. Uh, on Sunday, we've got a Sunday sermon special. It's uh, an hour in length, uh, rough length. We'll hope to keep it to an hour. And it's myself, John, Catherine Fry, and Andy Richmond giving you the best three bets um, for Goodwood, each of us, and, and any other information. Plus, we'll also be having a good chinwag at the start and a few laughs and banter. So don't miss the Sunday sermon on Sunday with the Goodwood and Galway anti-post preview uh, for next week, so it's a Sunday sermon special. Right on to the King George. John Love is seven to four favourite. The lads appear to have, have have come in play. This was five to two. The lads appear to be in play. John um, knocking this into seven to four. Thoughts on the King George? I'm getting the impression that the lads are keeping it, <laughs> and I think the bookies have made a bit of a preemptive move here, cutting this okay. in because. Yeah. I think the lads are waiting on the weather, myself. And uh, if it was to toss it down, I don't think the lads will be playing. So, <laughs> um, I'm very much in the suck it and see camp at the minute, right, right, because I think we don't need to wait and see how this ground pans out. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, you've got Sergeant Wilson's arse there that's absolutely ground dependent. Uh, she might not even run if they don't get any rating. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'd like to see the Derby farm front and see the Derby win a win, I think. But I, I honestly don't think I can have a bet. But it, it, could, it could be a mess, this, tactically and everything, really. And I don't like the look of it, in other words. Okay. Can I can I put one past you? It's it's my nap of the nap of the nap of the Saturday, um, and I'm I'm very very keen on Lone Eagle. Um, it won't have a problem with any kind of ground. It won't matter if it rains. It won't matter if it stays the same. Um, I just think the form of its last two runs. It was beaten by um, the Derby winner a day R in the Classic Trial, but it was over ten. Um, which this horse will get will definitely get a ledger trip, no problem, no problem whatsoever on its head. Um, and it then slammed the Bahrain Trophy your beer, absolutely slammed it at Goodwood, you know, d- destroyed it. Um, and then turns up at the Curra. Some people will say, well, it might have been flattered against Hurricane Lane, you know, front end. We know our Curra, the Curra rides, 
but I also look at the fact that uh, Wordsworth was seven lengths further back. Now, Wordsworth and Hurricane Lane have since gone to the um, uh, Grand Prix de Paris, finished first and second. Alenko was third. Um, and I've just, I've just got the feeling that that form is key for the three-year-olds. And I, and I'm, I wasn't impressed with Love's Prince of Wales win. I was, wasn't impressed at all. Um, I think she's a cracking filly, and if she's at her best, she probably will take a bit of beating. But I, I'm talking about the prices. 13-2 to two for Lone Eagle is an insult because what price do you make Hurricane Lane in this then? You know, I mean, it's yeah. beat it a neck at the Curragh. Even if you consider that it pinched it, whatever. You, you, Hurricane Lane would not be anywhere near that that sort of price. It'd be shorter than a day half, I mean. So 13-2 to two is wrong. Um, it's got Frankie in the saddle again. Tactically, we won't get caught out because it goes forward, because it's a galloper, right? So you're not going to get caught out tactically at any point. There's going to be no issue on tactics, no issue on anything. It'll probably either bound out in front or it'll sit second if someone takes it on. Um, and, and that's it. So basically, you've got a grand bet there at 30. I mean, I, I just think this is this will go close, really close. Um, so that would be uh, my strong bet of the weekend, Lone Eagle, John. You're just about that many cameras, Mister Mike. Just throw in there. It's it's a nice price, um, and it's price is key for everything. I mean, of course, if love if love comes back to last year, then you know I'm in the love camp. But what I saw in the Prince of Wales was nothing. I don't think that she even ran to to. I, I thought she was like one fifteen, one sixteen in the Prince. Of, I don't think it was a good Prince of Wales. Um, as I say, a day are prior to the Derby was pretty unconsidered. Obviously, it was well back for the derby, but, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, a day I could win. A day I could frank, and, and I'd be quite pleased if it did. You know, Frank's the derby form. I kind of like that. Derby and King George winner. Um, but I do think Lone Eagle is the... That's 11-4, to 4, Lone Eagle's 13-2. to 2. No chance of them, them prices right. They should be closer together uh, for starters. So that's a start for 10. So, yeah, that's, that's me and John, I think, done. Don't forget to come back on Sunday because it's going to be a corker of a show. We've got Catherine Fry out the basement for for the Irish. We've got Statman and we've, we've even got Andy L. Uh, Andy, I'll call him Andy L. Andy Richmond. Andy L, that's terrible. He'll be, he'll be offended by that. But Andy Richmond uh, getting getting him off the uh, NFL uh, studies uh, to, to come and, uh, and do a preview. He was excellent on the last show. T- tipped up a good winner at York. Um, and so it'll be a cracking show. And I hope you all join us for that. And I hope you all back somewhere tomorrow. Be mindful of the weather, and uh, and if so, you know, keep your powder dry and don't don't do too much money in. Um, we we hope it's a good weekend. So we're back on Sunday. That's all from me and John. Bye for now. <laughs>